Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live, where your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we introduce tonight's guest, I'm going to turn it over to Tamara, who's going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in the Thorn and Cross universe. Uh, to uh, introduce that, though, uh, we thought that with Halloween looming on the horizon, we'd tell you about uh, some book sales that we have coming up uh, from October 7th through the 14th. You can get Tamara's Haunted uh, and my novel Sleep Savannah Sleep in ebook at Amazon for 99 cents. All right, uh, here's Tamara who's going to tell you a little bit about both of those books. Okay, well, Haunted is my classic haunted house story. Uh, it contains a bevy of spirits and horrors from haunted dead hookers to a headless cat. Priestess, evil dolls, cold spots, sex dungeons, lonely lighthouses, and more succubi than you can shake your stick at. Can horror writer David Masters and his intrepid daughter, Amber, survive the terrors of Body House? Well, you can read Haunted on the Cheap to find out next week. And Alistair's book, in Alistair's paranormal thriller, uh, Murder Mystery, Sleep Savannah Sleep, newcomer Jason Crandall moves his family into an old... (laughs) <laughs> this is serious, damn it. Uh, newcomer Jason Crandall. <laughs> you see how unpassing, Stephen? Um, newcomer Jason Crandall moves his family into an old Victorian in Shadow Springs with high hopes for a new beginning. But after beautiful young socialite Savannah Sturgis goes missing, he's plagued by haunting visions and terrifying dreams. By day, strange things happen in the old house, mysterious footsteps, chill, phantom breezes, and the nights are even worse. Is Savannah herself trying to tell him that sometimes the dead don't rest in peace? Get your copy of Sleep Savannah next week to find out. Sleep Savannah, sleep All right. Again, you are listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com. If you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarthorn. You can also visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Tonight, we are thrilled to have a a, a newcomer to our show, uh, but uh, someone who uh, we're a big fan of his work. Stephen Shabosky is an American novelist, screenwriter, and film director best known for writing the New York Times bestselling coming-of-age novel, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, as well, he is a, he, he also uh, he was also the screenwriter and director of the film of and uh, which in the, of course we you know it starred Logan Lerman, Emma Watson, and Ezra Miller. Uh, he also wrote the screenplay for the 2000 film Rent and was co-creator, executive producer, and writer of the CBS television series Jericho, which began airing in 2006. His new novel, Imaginary Friend, came out October 1st and is receiving well-deserved rave reviews. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. Thank you. By the way, that was the greatest intro when you, when you cracked up about your own book. I, I was like, I, I already love you guys. You know what I mean? I was like, all right, this is interesting. I, I literally have no idea what the next half hour is going to be, but I'm kind of excited to see, you know, to look, I, I cannot wait. To, I almost wish I had a time machine to go 30 minutes in the future, look back and say, wow, that was fun. So, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, well, just so you know, we think we're yeah. pretty funny. We crack up all day over <laughs> stupid things, and, and we think we're hilarious. So if you think we're hilarious, that's great, because yeah. <laughs> we sure I, I do. do. I legitimately do. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, were, yeah, we, were like... writing, we were writing some slightly softcore supernatural porn this morning, and we were already in the giggle fit. When we found out you were, you know, wow. to come on today, so we we're sort of fantastic. It was funny. It was, well, you it know, was I, funny part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, you know, supernatural softcore, uh, but I'm glad that you could have. No. Me. Um, no. You know, it's funny. Even that sentence you just said, I was like, of course, of course, that's exactly what you were doing. You know what I mean? Well, and, and not yeah. hardcore. It's very important to say soft. <laughs> well, anyway, I love it. Exactly. I love it. Well, teenagers read us, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Good. You're, you're corrupting the world. Fine. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do it. It's we, good for you guys. We, we try. We try. Yes. But in, in imaginary friends, you, you shocked me a few times. It was fantastic. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. Want <laughs> to tell everyone what the book is about a little bit before we talk about it? Now, of course, yeah, you know, for anyone not uh, uh, familiar with my book, Imaginary Friend, it all started with this idea that I had based on uh, uh, childhood, my childhood in Pittsburgh, where I grew up. And we have all had this experience. You're laying down in the grass, and you're looking up into the sky, and you see the clouds. And I can't think of a kid alive who hasn't done that at some point and pointed up into the sky and said, oh, that looks like a dog or a hammer or a face or whatever. So it started with that idea. And then I thought, what would happen if a little boy was laying in the grass, looked up in the sky, and realized maybe for the last two weeks it was always the same face staring back at him? And I was really intrigued by that idea of, of a cloud face looking back at you. So I thought of this moment because, you know, as you mentioned, I do a lot of films. And I, sometimes I think cinematically or I think of like a trailer. And I just picture this moment of this little boy outside of his school and the last of the school buses drives away. And he looks around, the security guard's gone, he doesn't know where he is. He's just sitting there all alone, and he's reading his book, and a shadow cuts across the page. He looks up, and the face in the clouds that was small over the last two weeks is now almost as big as the sky. And Christopher, the little boy, says, hello, can you hear me? And there's a thunderclap in the distance. And Christopher says, if you can hear me, blink your left eye. And the cloud slowly blinks and unblinks and starts to float away. So I thought of that moment, and I loved the idea. I didn't know where the cloud was going. And so off and on when I wasn't doing film things and other, and, and other projects, over the last 10 years, I followed the cloud. And it led me to very unexpected places. Um, and I loved writing in this genre. It was, it was some of the most fun I've ever had artistically. Have you been to horror much as a reader or screenwriter or anything? Well, Jericho. Oh, as a reader – yeah, as a reader compulsively, I I think Jericho, the TV show I did a few years back, that was my first foray into you know any kind of science fiction. 
um, or yeah. speculative fiction. So I love doing that. That that television show was my um, uh, you know kind of my tribute or homage to Stephen King's The Stand. Uh, Stephen King's my oh, favorite yeah. writer of all time, and The Stand is my favorite mm-hmm. of his books. So 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 the idea of like even though it's a different set of circumstances, the idea of of this community coming together in the wake of this uh, tragedy uh, was was I really really enjoyed it. And so yeah, I've been reading Stephen King since I was yeah. basically twelve, and I love horror uh-huh. films. And so I know it, writing this book, even though my my earlier work like First Being a Wallflower is known to be more emotional, writing this one felt like coming home. Wow, yeah, and I, I'm a fan of Jericho. I didn't know you were involved. I have to binge on that again. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, um, I, I wrote the pilot. Yeah. I love doing that show. Did you ever read the? edited version of the stands that was out before the uh, complete version? No, no. I only, the only version I ever read was the uncut one. Um, and You're I lucky. wouldn't even know. It's funny. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause it was like 400 pages shorter. I heard something like that. I was like, what would you cut? Mm-hmm. It was perfect. I read that. It was a 1150 pages long when I read it. And, and I read it in four days. I couldn't stop. I was like, why would you, anybody great. want to make this shorter? Yeah. It was genuinely what great. Thing, I can, I can. I don't remember what all they did besides the Eisenhower Tunnel wasn't in it, but um, what they did was make me. They cut Franny Goldsmith so much that I wanted to see her die in the worst way. I'd never wanted to see wow. characters die as much as that, except for those kids in oh, Jurassic God. Park, the book. She was <laughs> awful. I wanted to slap her. But what, once King, who's very good at women, you know, got his way, it was fine. I still want to kill the kids in Jurassic Park, the book. You, still, but you hate you Jurassic Park so much that I feel like I need to read this book just to see how bad you do. Kids are. Really you funny. hate those poor That's kids. Wow. You will too. Wow. You will too. Well, Crichton's a great plot, plotter, but not great with characters. And you know, I'm not crazy about kids to begin with, so that was a toughie. Um, well, 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 and you know, kids, really, we both we both really like uh, character-driven uh, books, and um, I, I I gotta say, you know, imaginary friend, you seem to be a very character-driven writer, and that's kind of that's... our thing. That's what we really like. Uh, I I think that if the characters are are good, and yours are, I'll follow them anywhere. So on yeah. that note, do you do you do that on purpose? I. I no, that's not really quite how it works. But do you do you when you're when you're plotting a new idea, uh, do you uh, come up with the characters first and let them kind of tell you what happens, or do you uh, have an idea and and try to f- and then fit the characters into that plot? Oh, I usually. I mean, it's a little bit of both. As something evolves, like, you know, a feel for character or trying to have uh, empathy for a character and create characters that people can relate to or, um, or, you know, sympathize with. That's, that's kind of what I do. That's most of what I do, whether it's with perks or when I did the, the wonder movie or whatever. And so that's first and foremost, just in terms of my, my, uh, uh, you know, my initial approach to anything. But then mm-hmm. what I love is it's certainly in a book like imaginary friend where I can, you know, it starts one way. It's really about Christopher, this little boy and his mom and then you get to know his friends, and you kind of love, you kind of love them. It reminds you of childhood a little bit. And then it's just well, you know, when he goes missing in the woods and he comes back, I was like, well, somebody has to find him. Who's going to find him? And I start to ruminate on that, or start to think and explore. And then that's where the character of Mary Catherine McNeil was born. You know, the most Catholic girl in probably mm-hmm. the history of, of the teenage world. 
And so, and little by little, bit by bit, these characters come to me and then they become like real people, as I'm sure you guys know from your own work. And then they lead you. So like you lead them first. And then eventually if you're doing your job right, they lead you. Right. I don't know. Love, love, love Mary Catherine. She was fascinating, and and I sort of expected a lot of what happened. But then you took it to new levels. This this book has a lot of uh, religious imagery in it, and it, I, I don't want to say more than that because I shouldn't. Yeah. But it was well, you fascinating. Know, yeah. That, well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, growing up in Pittsburgh, um, I was raised Catholic, and so you know, people ask me, you know, when I think about childhood and kid fears. Yeah, some of it is just, you know, you're afraid of the monster under the bed or you're afraid of the, the whatever right. hiding in the closet. That's normal. Um, and then we are all afraid of grim fairy tales, so there's a lot of imagery there. And then also some mm-hmm. of the religious upbringing, things to fear. It all kind of became one, and, and it's like what I loved. I remember being maybe three, whenever, I, however old I was, when I was told the story of Hansel and Gretel. So, and I was so mm-hmm. terrified of the idea of that witch. And then I thought about yeah, other right. things over, the, over time that frightened me. And and I put a lot of it into Mary Catherine because, you know, as you guys know, because you read the book, there is this scene yeah. where she's racing home when we meet her, and she's so afraid <laughs> of being damned. She's so afraid of betraying God. She's so afraid of sinning and then dying before she's able to go to confession that that she makes that deal with God. Like, if I hit a deer, then I know I have gone too far. And as she's racing home uh, to get home by midnight, and then, like, every corner, every turn – you're so afraid that this kid's going to hit a deer because of that's yeah. that's her little bargain that she made. I and when she came, that was very I don't know. It was actually very personal to me to write that because being raised Catholic and always being afraid yeah. that that one sin was too many, and so it all found its way into this book. The, the deer that was the very first the horror novel I ever wrote started from a dream about killer deer with teeth. Now you did it differently, and I I put it into wow. the book and sold it, but. Um, you use deer as a horror motif, sort of, and it, it, it's so different, and yet it works so well. I love you know the deer crowding the streets and all that. That was why did you choose deer? Just yeah, why? Well, I think you know being being from Western Pennsylvania, um, hmm. you know a lot of the imagery uh, it's so it's so green. Western Pennsylvania is, is just yeah. there's trees everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And th- there are woods everywhere. So, so it started with that. But then, little by little, uh, when I was a kid, as suburban st- the sprawl began to get bigger and bigger and bigger, the trees are getting cut down more and more. And deer were everywhere. It just was. It was actually uh, a real problem that people had. And so, yeah, I, I I had this fascination. We had woods behind our house, and little by little. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more deer would show up, and it was almost like it was a magnet, like the idea that the woods was a magnet for these deer. And I found them beautiful, Ooh. of course, because most of us do. But then mm-hmm. I also found their numbers very unsettling. And I, always, and I often thought, like, are they watching me too? I'm watching them silently. Yeah. Are they watching me? Right, right. Oh, it makes so much sense. I used to run through the neighborhood pretending birds were after me when I was a kid because it was so much fun. <laughs> you yeah. go to the beach and the seagulls, you have to walk through them. and. I did that with that because I was at the beach instead of in the woods. <laughs> I get it. Oh, Have wow. you ever built a tree? Did you build a tree house when you were a kid? I did. I built a tree house uh, in the in the woods in my backyard. Um, it was it, at first it was like this fort, and then uh, these older kids tore it down, and uh, so we rebuilt it. it 
in our na- uh, next to our neighbor's fence. But yeah, and a lot of a lot, you know. So yeah, I built two, and with my friends, and it's funny. Um, a lot of the names of characters, like uh, you know, um, Olsen and Dave. So there was David Short across the street, and Eric Olsen up the street. So I combined oh, yeah. their names and made the character of David Olsen. Or uh, oh, and so a lot of those memories found their way in. But yes, I absolutely had tree houses. Um, you know, and, they, they weren't they weren't a portal necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> but uh, yes, but I did build them. Wow. And did you deal a lot with bullies? You did such good kid bullies and that adult the the adult bullies at the nursing home. My God, I just adored that. It was horrible. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had my share. Um, I had my share, you know, with my last name, Shabosky. You know, I, I was called Paul oh. more than once, I'll tell you that. Um, uh-huh. And I was teased from time to time. Generally speaking, I got along okay. Uh, but there was there was definitely a kid that singled me out in my uh, freshman year of high school and he, uh, uh, from the soccer team, and he really had it out for me for a while. But, yeah, so I've dealt with uh-huh. it in my, my share. Um, and I've known other people. You know, I've always considered myself – little bit of an outsider um in in uh, over the years and but i mm-hmm. found myself relating to the other outsiders and i've always written about it from whether it's first being a wallflower yeah. or doing wonder and now with imaginary friend yeah i i, I dealt with it yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense um well and I, sheriff, I, was struck, I, I i was struck by by um you it's 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 this is so different from the perks of being a, a, a wallflower i was really struck that uh um, I'm always a little confused, and I, I don't really get it when people, you know, uh, do pseudonyms or, or, you know. And you didn't do that. You, you, it, was that ever suggested to you? Did, is there a reason that you? Because this could have totally. It's a totally. It's so different. I mean, they're both real, you know, fantastic, but they're so different. Uh, do maybe, you feel that but, way? You know, it. Uh, I, well, I, I do feel they're different in terms of genre, without question. Um, but thematically, in terms of some of the subjects, some some of the emotional uh, components, and dealing with children, they, I see them as mm-hmm. close cousins. Maybe not, maybe not siblings, right. but yeah. close cousins. So it doesn't feel that different. But I have to say, you know, maybe it would have been smart to create this whole other pseudonym. Um, I know wonderful writers have done it. Stephen King, my hero, he did Richard Bachman, etc. Mm-hmm. But for me, I guess it's because I'm named. I am the namesake of my grandfather. You know, um, right. he was Stephen Shabosky. And, you know, in my, like, going around life, I'm Steve. People call me Steve. That's what my wife calls me, et cetera. But I, ah. I go by Stephen on, on books and movies and everything else because, you know, my grandfather, he was a steel worker. He never made it past eighth grade. He was a wickedly smart guy. But, you know, it just those weren't the opportunities to him. Um, he had to go make a living to help with his family. And so I put Papap's name on my books. And so I could never use another name. Because, because, you know, if he didn't get a pseudonym, I don't get one. You know, that's how I right. feel. It might have been – maybe uh-huh. it was better marketing to, to create this whole other identity, but I couldn't disrespect my pep app that way. See, and I, and, I, and I love that because I find it so confusing when people do that because I'm like, you work so hard. You, you know, you work so hard just, you know, from a business perspective to, to build your name. I don't understand these people who have six and seven pen names. I'm like, why? <laughs> You're starting over every time. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's, I guess maybe certainly like now James Patterson has blown the whole idea that you can't publish too much um, out of the water. Yeah. But like, you know, back then they, the conventional wisdom was, well, you're, you're publishing too much. I think that's why Richard Bachman was even created um, so he so, can yeah. get out more 
It you was. Know, you know, I think I, I think that's what it, the reason. So you know, maybe back in the day, or or you feel like maybe if I do a fake pen name, I can be a little bit more honest about certain things. Maybe that's it. But I don't know. For me, like you mm-hmm. said, it's like this is my name. It's my grandfather's name, and uh, you know, it, he he will be on my books forever. That's right. nice. Right. I really like that. I want to ask you about the sheriff. He's he's maybe my favorite character. That's probably because I like to write sheriffs so much. But he did him so differently. We don't even find out his name through half the book. But and just the sheriff. But you get so close to him and you care about him and you know he's what he is. I'm not going to give away anything. But um, where did he come from? Well, he came from. I, I I have some law enforcement uh, in the family. My cousin Chucky, he's, uh-huh. a, he's a prison guard at a supermax in Eastern PA. So I've always kind of mm-hmm. had an affinity for that. that. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, I just love the idea. I remember meeting a guy. This is a long time ago. I remember meeting a guy. Up, he was an ex-cop uh, in New York, and he talked about mm-hmm. he talked about how long it took him once he stopped serving how long it took him to kind of shake off the cobwebs of what he had seen, the people that he had seen, um, and in some of the tragedies. And that always stuck with me because, you know, I, I've dealt with like, you know, post-traumatic stress and some other issues in my work before. Uh-huh. And it always hit me of like, you know, it's a shame. I know that sometimes police get a bad rap, but if you imagine like you're the ones that are sent into the, into the bad situation every time, what are you going to think of humanity after a while? It must be really hard. Right. So the idea of this guy yeah. – who, you know, he served in the city, he saw terrible things, and here he was coming to this small town. He thought to get away from some of the madness and find himself right back into the fire and having to deal with something beyond his control. The sheriff also mm-hmm. fit the idea of Kate Reese and Christopher. Um, you know, with, I, love, I love creating unlikely heroes, people that you wouldn't think are the perfect, perfect you know, here's Kate Reese. She's, she's blue-collar. She's not terribly educated. Mm-hmm. She's, she's like a tough kind of survivor type of person, and you would never think she'd be an ideal soldier on the front lines of a battle against uh, you know, between good and evil, um, but I yeah. love that, and the sheriff fit right in with that. It, it really did. Kate actually gave me a little piece of uh, Terminator mom in, in my, you know, oh, Terminator really? one. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, oh, just yeah. a little. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. love her, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love her too. Yeah. yeah, maybe you could even say I I wouldn't mind the comparison a little bit Ripley in Aliens, you know? Yeah, I, I just, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I love. I just I grew up the you know I was I was born, I, I'm kind of a child of the 70s 80s, and those mm-hmm. those movies made an indelible impression on me. And then once I had my own kids, my wife Liz, you know, she look she's an Italian girl from New Jersey. So she's uh-huh. just about as tough as Linda Hamilton, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was very easy to channel uh, yeah. channel my uh, lovely wife Liz into into a fierce mother lion character in Kate Reese. Oh, that's nice. perfect. And yeah, really in Aliens too, when she gets the little girl and get away from her, you bitch. And we saw that yeah. in the theaters. The only time I ever stood up cheering in the theater, along with all the other people cheering in the film with the actors. Oh, everyone alive. cheered. I remember it, seeing oh. it. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Yep, it was amazing. Yep. It was a great moment. Yeah. Well, and, don't, and, and, and don't you think, because oh. I'm the same, I'm, I'm from the same generation. I, I grew up at the same, uh, you know, roughly the same time. Don't you think that we had, when I look back on it, I'm like, man, we had the best female you know, mm-hmm. he, heroes in, 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 you know, the movies and stuff we watched. I, I, but I don't know what it was like before that, but 
you know, when when I hear, you know, you know, things about, you know, strong female leads and stuff like that and how people are really liking that, I'm like, yeah, you know, I can see that. We we grew up with some really great ones, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, James Cameron, you know, he was responsible mm-hmm. for, in a lot of ways, I think he created it. Or they didn't create it because, like, obviously there were wonderful, like, uh, you know, heroines before James Cameron, but he did it in such a yeah. pop culture way. With uh, with Alien Two or you know Aliens and with uh, Sarah Connor that that right. you know I, I think we're all kind of in his shadow and we will be for a long time you know look at like the resurgence with Wonder Woman and there's so many other great heroes right that, that there yeah really was there was the cinematic woman before James Cameron and after and uh, I'm personally glad that such a a brilliant filmmaker you know put the stamp and and quite frankly uh, even though he didn't cast Sigourney Weaver that was Ridley Scott. Um, two iconic, iconic actresses to play these parts. Oh, I yeah. For the new Terminator. Right. It's amazing she came back. Right. I'm so excited. Oh, I know. Oh. Isn't that great? That's great. Oh, yeah. I love so great. Yeah. Wait. All right. Yeah, well, that was uh, the, the book, we're just, about, we're just about out of time. The book is Imaginary okay. Friend. It came out October 1st. We highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Um, uh, and Stephen, I just want to tell you, I recently decided to finally get on uh, Instagram because that's apparently where all the cool kids are hanging out these days, right? So I finally <laughs> yeah, dipped my toe into the Instagram well, and I got to tell you, imaginary friend is everywhere on Instagram. Really? <laughs> so that oh, is fantastic. fantastic. So congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you. Well, I people appreciate are it. Yeah, well, yeah well, when things calm down after start- your tour. Oh, I'm sorry. We always talk over no, each no, other. You got it. Time delay. Okay. When right. when things calm down after your tour, we'd love to have you back and tell us all the things that happened. Absolutely. And more insight. One hundred percent. Yo, I will gladly yeah. talk to you again in November when my tour is over, and I can even do it in person because I know at least half of you is, uh, is in Los Angeles where I live now. Right. Ah, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no. It's cool. but yeah, seriously, it's we will. We'll we'd love to have you back. We'll be in touch. And again, you Thank you. It seems to be going over really well. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a fantastic book. Again, it's called Imaginary Friend. You need to check this out. It's it's something that I believe with you know, wholeheartedly everybody can relate to, truly. Uh yeah. if you were a kid. If you've never been a kid, maybe not so much. But <laughs> Yeah, if, if, yeah if, if you were a star right. man and you were born from a, exactly. a lock of hair, you're gonna yes, you're not exactly. gonna get it. Otherwise, yes, if you yes. Absolutely. Yes. I I, Absolutely. I highly recommend it, especially for the time of year it's perfect. And Stephen, before we let mm-hmm. you go, could you tell our listeners where they can go um online or otherwise to find out more about you and your work? Uh, I it, well, you can go really anywhere books are sold. You know, uh, it, it's been uh, prominently featured, you know, Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all the indies, and we made the indie next list. And there's a wonderful Washington Post review that just came out two days ago, and Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and a bunch of other periodicals. So really, it's kind of everywhere right now. It's been, I tell you, it, much different release than Perks Being a Wallflower, which was a trade paper original uh, that that barely had any any traction at all. So it's. It's been really, really gratifying to have a second book get this much attention. I'm very grateful to them. Nice, nice. And do you have a uh, website? I do not have a website. No, they can, uh, if people are interested, they can follow me on Twitter at uh, okay. at Chabosky or at Stephen um, And uh, and I just started an Instagram account. It hasn't been verified yet, but you can search me there. And I'm the only one I think claiming my name. If you see my author <laughs> photo, that's me. 
um, okay. you know, and uh, Grand Central Publishing, they, they have, you know, they have their own page for Imaginary Friend. And so any of those will give you information. And I just hope people that pick it up enjoy it. All right. Well, uh, good luck on your tour. Congratulations again. We'll be in touch. And when you get on Instagram, be prepared to see a lot of good stuff about this book because people are loving it. So congratulations on that. I really appreciate it. And listen, guys, good luck. I know we're going to hang up. You're going to return to your supernatural soft core, so I wish (laughs) you great luck with that. Uh, Good luck corrupting the, 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 the youth of the world. And I will speak to you in November. Okay, All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Right. Thank you for being on. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All you right. Too. Bye. And to everybody else who's listening, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, this is Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. Until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Yeah.